Coast Church, Charlotte. Seven point you to consider in how to, um, to, to live with vision and how to care for that vision. How, you know, it's the proper care and feeding of, of vision. Let me continue on with uh, Romans 29. I'm going to read this um, in the NIV, and you'll see how the translators give us a slightly different insight where there is no revelation. People cast off restraint. They have no why. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. How about the ESV? Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. One of my favorite translations says this. When people cannot see what God is doing, they fall all over themselves. When people cannot see what God is doing, uh, they fall all over themselves. Now, this this uh, idea of uh, the people perish, this is the same word that is used in Exodus chapter number 32 at the golden calf incident. Uh, and the Bible says, Moses saw that the people were running wild. It's the same word that's used where people perish. The same word where Moses saw that the people were running wild. Same word as without vision, the people perish. Do you see? Without vision, your effort is just kind of a running wild, a running amok. And then the priest Aaron has to try to uh, get control of them. But in the meantime, the Bible says they're a laughing stock. The Bible says this, a laughing stock to their enemies, as if to say, when we don't have something in God we're aiming at, and we wander off after this, and we fall out after that, and we, we perish, we fall all over ourselves, we run wild, we become a laughing stock to our enemies. We must live with purpose. We cannot throw aside restraint. We cannot throw aside temperance. We cannot throw aside spiritual guidance. We are blessed when we heed wisdom's instruction. We are blessed when we live a life of spiritual purpose. I'm not just here. I'm not just on a reassurance program. I am living a life of spiritual purpose. I'm praying that as a leadership team, uh, our first church pastoral team can find purpose and be committed to it, work toward it. Purpose comes out of what God is doing through your abilities. Um, you can't try to do everything. If you do, you will fail. You don't have all the gifts. I don't have all there's lots of things that if I try to do, I, I, I can't do that. That's, that's not what I do. And to ask me to do something I, I don't do is to misunderstand my gift. But here's the thing. I can allow that to cause me and you can allow it to cause you to cast away your confidence because you can't do what somebody else wants you or wishes you would, could do. Do you see? But just because you do different just because you have different talents does not mean you don't have a spiritual target 
that you are aiming for and you are shooting for. You may not hit it in the beginning. You may try and try again, but if you will not give up, if you will strive, if you will push, I promise you, God's strength will come alongside. He will steady your effort. He will perfect your aim and you will be able to accomplish something for God. So, Along with the discipline, we must have vision. Do you see? This is where I get this title. Discipline is not enough. Discipline is the negative. Discipline is the drill sergeant in your ear that says you can't eat that. You need to get up off the couch and work out. You need to quit speaking things about things you don't know. You need to let your tongue be uh, prayed through uh, and not just your emotions. Uh, You need to, you see what I'm saying? All of these Uh, testimonies of the kingdom of God within us, the naturally occurring product of God's spirit within us, the fruit, the fruit of um, uh, the spirit. It can't just be discipline because discipline is not enough. We must have along with discipline, what's the discipline side? Happy is he who keeps the law. We must have the vision side without a vision. And so there is something that is speaking conviction to you. That's your discipline. And there is something that is whispering appeal to you. That is the vision of what you can do in God. And as believers and in this new year and in your life, you need to combine discipline with vision. And so if you only hold yourself to discipline, you will soon discover yourself in a joyless life. You need to find a way to live in vision to see who you could be in God and to celebrate, to imagine the victory is already done. We say it like this, don't wait till the battle is over, shout now. Um, We see it as a promise. We live in faith. What does it mean to live in faith? Let's let the Bible define it. We see those things that are not as though they are. Do you see We live in vision. There is no faith without a vision component. How do you take care of vision? Well, the first question is this. Do you have a vision? Are you aware of a vision? If you're not, put it in your prayer every single day. Lord, I don't want to just do my own thing. I want to follow in your vision. I want to walk according to what you would have me to do. Pray about it on a consistent basis. And then begin to pray about what your gifts are. What actually can you do? If you haven't been through first steps and gone through the the gifts and skills um, survey, it's a great place to start. Uh, I want you to believe and I want you to see yourself as having a discrete set of uh, skills. Other people don't have it. You have skills. Use them for uh, the kingdom of God. How do you take care of a vision, however, once God has given it to you? How do you take care of it? Well, the first thing I would like you to do with it is I'd like you to write it down. <laughs> write it in your Bible, write it in your journal, write it on a note and put it on your refrigerator door. You know, you're going to stand in front of that door trying to have self-discipline a long time. <laughs> put it right on that door. Um, write down your vision. Uh, you have no need to re- write down your fears. Why? Because they sit alongside you and nag, but vision doesn't nag. Your fears nag, but vision doesn't nag. You have to choose vision. 
That's why writing it down makes a difference. And then when you write it down, make it a part of your devotional life. Put it in your prayer. Don't ever let a day pass where you don't confess that vision to the Lord and ask for his direction, his assistance, his touch. And so write it down, put it into your devotional life. Number two, um, don't be surprised when it's harder than you expect. In fact, every day, build your, your, your grit, if you'll allow me to say it that way, by confessing to the Lord, you don't expect an easy path. Even so, you're committed. You tell the Lord that every day. What is it that is your vision? What is it that is your call? What is it that is your talent? What it is that is it that is your gift? Every day you tell the Lord, Lord, I feel the call of this. I'm not looking for a shortcut, Lord. I'm not trying to shoplift. I will pay full price. I'm willing to work. You tell the Lord that. And when you say it to yourself, there's power in your words. When you say it to yourself over and over and over, you begin to get strength of layers, strength of the spoken word of confidence in your own life. I'm not looking for it to be easy. I'm willing to work hard. I'm not looking for some diet peel. Forgive me for picking on diet peels. You guys that like diet peels, God bless you, you use them. I'm not looking for a diet peel. Now, there are some people that may need a diet pill. I don't know. No judgment. I am willing to be hungry. I'm just using that as an example. I am willing to pay the price. You know why I'm saying that? Because it's my confession to God. I've put vision into my devotion, and I make that confession unto the Lord. Expect difficulty. There's a reason why every ministry in the Bible is told to us, good and bad, easy and hard, lucky and difficult. Lucky is the wrong word, but I'm just using it as we use it. Sometimes things just seem to work out. We are shown in the Bible the difficulty of ministry. We are shown the difficulty of living up to a vision. We are shown Peter, who, although he's responsible for the end taking of the Gentiles, he struggles to keep the vision of the Gentiles. And that's how him and Paul get into an argument, and Paul rebukes him, and Peter receives it because he was struggling not with people. He was struggling with vision. God showed him the net lower. Do not call unclean what I have made clean. But then when he gets to Antioch, he, he struggles to share the table of fellowship with Gentiles, and Paul calls him out because, Peter, you're only sharing the table of fellowship uh, with Jews, and you are causing trouble in the New Testament church. Um, people are not going to understand your vision. If that's all it takes for you to quit, there is no solution. People are not going to understand. People are going to criticize you because, number one, that's their nature. That's who they are. Why would you expect them to be somebody that they aren't? They're going to criticize you. They're going to like somebody else's way better. They're going to not understand because it's not what they're called to do. You have to fight for what God has told you. You have to hold and cleave to the horns of this altar. You have to bind yourself to uh, the very calling of God. Um, and when people don't understand, that's okay. And when they take talk bad about you, that's okay. They don't understand. Um, vision will cost you something. 
the Apostle Paul was killed because of his vision, literally. I don't have time to get into it, but just trust me. He was warned against it. <laughs> he didn't heed the warning. He ended up prison and finally by the Appian Way outside of Rome, they, 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 they slew him with a sword and thinking no one would remember his work. His vision killed him. People will oftentimes understand your vision for a time, but as soon as it, meet, it doesn't meet some lack with, it makes a lack within them, they'll move on. If you're easily shaken from vision, um, there, there's nothing that can be done for you. You have to put it in your devotion and you have to say, Lord, I'm not expecting for it to be easy. I choose it. I choose it. I choose it. And so the third thing I'd like you to do is to consider what you would do if you were a courageous Christian. Um, don't manage yourself in terms of what's good enough. In your devotion, ask yourself, if I really had courage, what would I do? Or let me say it differently. If I knew God was with me, how much audacity would that give me? We must live in faith. Fourth, fourth thing I'd like you to do for the proper care and feeding of your vision. <laughs> um, remember, discipline's not enough. You have to have a vision. You can't, you, you, there's going to be some morning when your discipline won't get you out of bed. And when your discipline won't do it, vision will minister to your discipline. So your discipline can be made strong again. It is vision that gives you the strength of discipline. Um, number four, um, make sure you're connected deeply to the why of the vision. Every day in your devotion, you've put this in your devotion. Remember, that was number one. Um, as you consider the, the why or every day in your devotion, make sure you are ruminating, you are considering, you are reflecting upon the why of the vision. Um, if you have a why, you can withstand any how. If you have a reason to suffer, it makes suffering a much lighter burden. Um, the father who gives his child his coat is never as cold as the father who just doesn't have a coat. Because just knowing your child is warm warms your soul, if not your body. If you have a why, you can, or you can overcome almost any how. Number, number five, um, let the why be sacred, but let the how be practical. There's many ways to skin a cat. <laughs> your why doesn't change, but your how often changes. You can, if you, I have different times in my life uh, been interested in church history, and I've studied a lot of church history um, as a layman, not as an academic. Um, but the one thing you will learn is that if you study church history at all, Every generation has done it a little bit differently. Um, the themes, the trends move left and right, right and left. Uh, they move formal and informal. They, they move uh, coming together. They move going apart. There's all kinds of things that are generational in their fit. Um, how we do it can change. Why we do it, that's sacred. We don't do that. Um, number six, I'm almost done. Um, you need to connect with people who um, they, they, they see the vision in you. They may not. Here's the thing. I may not see the vision you see, but I can see the vision in you. I may not feel like I could ever do what you can do. Do you see? But I can see the vision in you. You need to find people who can see 
the vision in you. These are people who will help you grow. There, there are people who will steady you when you lift heavy weights. There are, there are people who, even if they don't think they could do it, they believe in you. I have uh, spiritual friends, uh, ministerial friends, I should say, who have very different ministry styles than me. And when I am exposed to what they do, honestly, there's this some part of me that's like, holy moly, I, I couldn't do that. I, that's not doesn't fit. If I did that, it would be a fraud. Why? That's not who I am. But it's very much who they are. But you won't find me criticizing them. And you and guys understand this. You're this way one with another. This is just basic Christianity. You won't find me shooting them down. Even if in myself, I'm like, holy moly, I would never do that. Because if I did it, it would be a fraud. That's not who I am. When they do it, it's absolutely authentic. And I compliment them. And I know you do too with people in your life. We believe in each other's calling, vision, and ability. What you can do is different than what I can do. But I can see your vision in you. I don't have to compete with it. Competition will hurt the oneness, the unity of the church. I don't have to try to tear you down. Insecurity, although famous between one church to another, uh, will hurt the unity of the church. All churches have different styles. It's not a bug. It's a feature. Or let me say it this way. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Um, All people All singers sing differently. All preachers preach differently. It's not a bad thing. Come on, grow up already. It's a good thing. You know who I was talking to, my brothers and my sisters. And if it was you, just embrace it and walk on. (laughs) Um, So my, my point is this. I strive to see your vision in you. Even if I can't do it, I see it in you. When you find people who are also vision focused, they will not begrudge you your vision focus. But if you hang around people who are, do, are not vision focused themselves, they will begrudge you your life of vision focus. And lastly, um, I want to ask you to do this. I want to ask you to make patience your ally, not your enemy. If you're not willing to go slow, It might be you're driven more by your lusts than you are your callings. Lots of callings are desirable. Lots of people wish they could do this, wish they could do that, and they have a lust for that because they see it as preeminence. They see it as exaltation. Um, Here's the thing about lusts. Lusts are short-lived. They don't have staying power. They don't have staying power. Make patience your ally, not your enemy. Do not allow your vanity to be threaded through your vision. Pray vanity out of your vision and let the kingdom of God be the beneficiary of your vision and not your vanity. Here's the thing. Trying to carry vanity on your journey towards spiritual purpose is like a pioneer trying to cross the Oregon Trail with a grand piano in the back of their wagon. Do you see? You can't do it. It's too heavy. A wagon is not the right tool to move it. Your vision will be broken under the weight of your vanity because vanity must always serve itself. Vision is greater than that. Vision is channels the self toward a purpose 
vision, or excuse me, vanity channels all purposes toward the self, whereas vision channels the self toward the purpose and the calling. All right, that's enough. I believe in your ability to make a difference in your world. I believe in your calling. I believe in your talents. I don't want to create an environment where we compare ourselves one with another. I I don't want to create an environment where we judge ourselves one another. I have I have striven with every, if that's a word, I've striven uh, with every ounce of my being to create a church culture where we do not judge value by the askance look, the, the cut of our eyes and the judgment of our hearts, um, where we use not just imperfect people, but we confess we are all imperfect, imperfect. Um, I've tried that and I have uh, with without your good heart, it would have never been possible. Without our expanded ministry and pastoral team, it would have not have been possible. But that is what we're aiming for. Do we always hit it? No, we don't. We don't. But do we aim for it? Yes. Yes. I believe in your calling. I believe in your abilities. I believe in your gifts. I believe in your unction. And I believe this is a year of spiritual purpose. If you would be so bold as to claim it, in the kingdom of God. I believe this can be a year of real spiritual progress. I am actually very excited in my spirit um, by the, the doors that are open right now to our church. There have been some tremendous doors that have been opened to our church. And the Lord has honored us by trusting us uh, with certain opportunities. I'm so excited about um, This past Sunday, I looked around at, the, at the, how many people have been added to our Sunday fellowship um, that a year ago weren't a part of it. And a year ago, we're living very different lives. But I looked around and I just, I was so thankful to God because he had opened the door uh, for our church to be graced with young believers. He had opened the door for our church to be graced with spiritual babies. Um, there's, 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 it's possible to have a church culture where you don't have many babies. Um, and the ones you have are so policed and controlled that um, as soon as they come of age, they run as fast as they can. Um, I, I, I want to be the kind of house that's filled with spiritual youth, spiritual babies, people who they, they don't even try to pretend they have it all together but they're there and they're calling on the name of the Lord. I'm so excited about what God is going to do uh, in this year. Doors are going to be opened in the church's life and in your life. This is going to be the year that some of you attain some spiritual discipline in areas that you, you didn't see coming. You'll be, you're going to be surprised at the discipline in prayer you have. You're going to be surprised in the discipline of um, becoming, spiritual becoming, whether it's the discipline of the flesh or the seeking of truth through the reading of the word of God. You're going to be surprised. This is going to be the year that some of us are going to become people of temperance in areas of our life. We haven't been very temperate. This is going to be the year we're going to get control of some habits that we haven't been in control of. This year is going to be a great year. I'm excited to do it with you. I'm excited to walk with you. Let's pray together right now. Lord Jesus, we are trusting and believing together that this year is going to be a year of spiritual power and authority. 
we don't seek power simply for the excitement of it all. We seek power for the lived transformation that is possible in our hearts when we begin to follow after your way, when our intemperate ways and our undisciplined choices are transformed into the very fruit of the spirit. And we begin to live with love. We begin to live with long suffering kindness. Imagine that as a concept. We begin to live with real patience, gentleness, meekness. We begin to live with a sense of open hearts, open arms. We begin to live without a need to compete with other people. We begin to live without a need to pull other people down or compare one of us to another. We begin to see the good of thy chosen rather than seeing others as competitors among us. Oh, Lord Jesus, I'm praying for a revival of real spiritual transformation to break out in our life. I'm praying and believing today day that your work would be established within our life and our heart. I'm praying for a revival of vision would keep us from falling all over ourselves, not knowing how you are working. We want to know how you're working. We want to see the target of our spiritual creation, what we can do, how we can live, the difference we can make in our world. And we want to proceed into that spiritual life, manifesting the kingdom of God to our world, to our family, to our neighborhood, demonstrating to all your goodness, your power, your grace. Lead us today, we pray. Direct us today, we pray in Jesus' name. And we give you the praise and the honor and the glory. Amen. All right. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.